0: interviews. Hi, I'm your host, Sophia Negron, a former professional dancer turned professional photographer. Here's where I interview former professional artists that have moved on to a new career and learn about their stories of discovery, transition, passion, and resilience. My hope is that you will feel inspired to embrace your creativity, see the value in it, and let it color the rest of your endeavors. So, what will be your act two? Hi, I'm Sophia Negron, and today I am here with Jamie Carson of Carson Skin. She is an esthetician and the owner of a skincare studio here in Manhattan. Welcome, Jamie.
1: Hi. Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah, this is great. I'm so excited to have you. Um So I wanted to talk to you about you were a theatrical makeup artist before Mm -hmm. becoming an esthetician. So how did you even get into that? Makeup? Yeah.
1: (laughs) So, yeah, you and I were talking before about how a lot of people who work backstage in theater start off as actors yeah, and then transition backstage and I just started off backstage. I loved makeup. I loved, I just loved, um, I loved beauty. I was very, very theatrical myself as a teenager. Um, can you share any and, of that? <laughs> I, yeah. You and I were talking before as well. I used to wear wigs in high school and I come from a very small town very small in the Berkshires it's called Sheffield Massachusetts and I would buy these wigs from Miss May's antique shop on route seven okay and it was this antique shop and in the furniture she had wigs so and she herself had like white curls makeup her name was Miss May And I would wander in and I would just open up the drawers and I'm like, can I have this one? And can I have this one? And then I started sewing some of them together to make them even more grand. And that's where one of my favorite ones that was my grandmother's nightmare birthed this blonde thing. And I would wear it and I would change my outfits based on the wig I was wearing and create all these looks I saw in the movies. And then I just walk around town like that. And um, so I didn't. I didn't know I was into theater at the time, but clearly I was. Yeah, Um, because I wasn't, you know, in the high school play or anything like that. Right. But um, then I just got—I don't know—it was like in my very early, like maybe I was 20 years old, and I just became interested in makeup. It's like I read one of Kevin O'Quan's makeup books. I was completely inspired and I was like I didn't even know that was a thing and my friend Tiffany Bartok made a movie on him larger than life and that was one of his gifts to this world is introducing the career path of makeup artists to people who like me in a small town where I was like I didn't know you could do that for a living I didn't even know that was a job and so I read his book and I started copying some of the looks on myself and my grandmother would take pictures of me um you know, with like old age makeup on, like with a a blanket around my head and then I'd pose for the picture and she'd take a picture with a disposable camera and it was just, it was like way before cell phone time. I'm 39 right now, so it's like, that was a long time ago. Yeah. And um, yeah, so that's how it kind of, I got started at home and um, it kind of went from there. Yeah. I,
0: and you you said that you had met someone that just kind of brought you in as an apprentice. Yeah. And then you made, you met, how did you get on the rent tour? (laughs) For all you, you know, theater people out there, be jealous. She was on the rent tour.
1: (laughs) I know. That was one one of my favorite moments working on the rent tour because I remember I was like homegrown. I was trained. The person who took me under his wing um, was actually a costume designer, Arthur Oliver, who was one of the resident costume designers at Shakespeare and Company in Lenox, Massachusetts. And he got a job as the head wig and makeup designer for the Connecticut Opera for a season when I was I want to say I was like, maybe I had just turned 21. Mm -hmm. And he asked if I wanted to come along and said he'd train me. And he did. And I was his assistant, and I was doing tons of faces, like, you know, pre-show. Like, I had, like, maybe nine faces to do before a curtain would rise. It was, like, it was, like, makeup boot camp. Yeah. Um, it was fast. It was furious. It was, like, every single movement mattered because I had maybe eight minutes to create this face. Yeah. Um, and wig them. Wow. So it's it's it was, like, boot camp training. And so... I um, so just to flash forward for a minute, I was in Hartford, I'm sorry, I was in New Haven, and I'm with all these yale students yale theater student- students at this bar, and they were asking me how I got my job with red, yeah, and I was thinking I was going to go back to college and get a theater degree because I was like, you know, I love the theater, I'm working in the theater, I should probably have a degree, and here are these kids in this elite program, and they wanted my job, and I was like, okay, not going to get a theater degree, because <laughs> clearly I've already made it right. in my field, I saved myself a lot of money there, yeah. but um, yeah, so I um, I got a, a phone call from someone I did summer stock with, this is after I'd done a few seasons at the Connecticut Opera, um, and he just called me up, and he's like, hey, I heard you were doing makeup would you want to come on the Rent National tour we're going to be going to Japan as well next year do you want to come along you can be my assistant and this is someone i was friends with at Summerstock who was doing props
2: okay. and
1: now he was doing wigs and makeup and wardrobe for rent and yes. i of course said yes at this point i was just turning i think it was like a few months before i turned 22 and I got the job and then went right out on tour, like in August. I turned 22 in June and then was out on tour in August with yeah. them.
0: Wow. But, I mean, you know, you never know who you're going to meet that's going mm-hmm. to open up a door. I mean, I feel the same way. Yeah. When I, I feel like every job that I got as a dancer was because someone I knew, someone I met, you know, somebody remembered me from class you know so Mm
2: -hmm.
0: I think things just kind of happened that way and then you know the prop person you'd never think would hire you for makeup and hair so
1: (laughs) and he was an actor he was an aspiring actor at at school and he was always amazing he was he was also super dramatic we should have known each other in high school um (laughs) and you know he was incredible he himself was a drag queen like one of these like Young, before there was RuPaul's Drag Race, you know. Yeah. He was dressing himself up in drag, and he became really, really, really good at wigs and makeup, and then he was doing it for his um, college shows. Yeah. And he had such a gift with that that then he got hired on rent, and so he actually, that's what he does now, is he does costuming, wigs and makeup. Wow. He's not... Yeah.
0: I'll have to talk to him, too. Um, (laughs) So you... According to these Yale students, and I mean probably everybody, it was so great. <laughs> it's like you've made like, it. What you're like was, doing national tours? I was you like, know, be here when you graduate. <laughs> no, <laughs> we're
1: gonna like go on to I don't know.
0: Yeah. So the Start. So, you did that for how many years?
1: So, it was interesting because when you're touring, you're doing. It's, like, about the tour. So each tour yeah. is a different amount of time. So okay. it was, like, my first rent tour, I think, was, like, eight or nine months. Okay. Um, and then we broke, and then I, you know, for break. And then I actually, I didn't go back on, I didn't go out the, the following tour. I actually resumed makeup for the Connecticut Opera. Okay. Uh, then I did, um, I did work for them for the Boston Symphony Orchestra at Tanglewood in Lenox, okay. Massachusetts as well. Okay. So I did that. And then I was also waitressing when I wasn't doing makeup. And I went back to college. So okay. I, was doing, I was going to school and then I would do these operas when, you know, when it was time because there were three a season. And I got promoted at that point to lead wig and makeup. Okay. So Arthur Oliver was no longer doing it. They promoted me. Because, again, the, the company manager for the Connecticut Opera liked me. Yeah. And then he called me and he was like, would you want to work this summer at Tanglewood? And I was like, yeah, that's incredible. And I was so young to be doing this stuff, but yeah. it was, um, it was so much fun. Um, so then I did that and then I went back out with rent okay. for like a little stint to replace someone. I think it was like four weeks. Okay. I went back out with them again for an only Japan. Like okay. I, I've been to Japan with rent twice. Okay. So that eight or, I think it was like eight or nine months that first tour. We were in Japan okay. for I forget how many weeks. And then I got a call from them and they're like, Do you want to come out? They want to bring us only to Japan this time. I think it was like maybe a seven week tour. Okay. With Tokyo and Osaka. Ooh. And so I was like, Yeah, I'll go back to Japan again. And so I went out for Japan and then I went to aesthetic school within like within a month or two of okay. getting back. Yeah, I was in aesthetic school.
0: So, what made you? I mean, you've made it. You're you're awesome. You're doing great in this career. What made you want to become an esthetician?
1: So, I loved what I was doing, but I was getting sick a lot. Okay. And so, being on the road, being on tour, um, you're eating out of vending machines. You're working. All the time. I was constantly, when I was working for the operas, um, which I continued to do when I graduated from aesthetic school that first year, I still did the whole season of the Connecticut Opera. Um, And then worked in New York as an esthetician when I wasn't doing that. But um, I was spraying hairspray. I I was always working in basements. A lot of the the wardrobe stuff and the wig and makeup stuff takes place in basements and theaters. Yeah. And I was using acetone. I was using hairspray. All those fumes were just around me all the time, and I kept getting really sick. And uh, I already had some digestive issues, and it was getting to the point where it was like I would do a job and then be sick for weeks and recover, oh. and then go back out on another job and then be sick for weeks. And it was just not sustainable. Okay. But the, the other thing, um, and this is you know, I'm feeling this way and I still didn't know I was going to transition out of makeup. I didn't have another option at that point in my mind, but I, I looked around at people who were at that point, you know, I'm early, early twenties. I looked at people who were in their like forties, fifties and sixties who were, I, whom I was working with down in the basements and they were called dressers yeah. in the theater. World. They were like dressing the actors. I was looking at other makeup artists. I was looking at costume people and I have to say a lot of them were overweight they looked really unhealthy and they were very bitter there was definitely like a bitter climate down there a lot of complaining a lot of um just not a lot of joyous conversation and I was so young and fresh I was still high on life so I was like thrilled to be there thrilled to be with them they made me laugh like I thought their bad attitudes were just eccentric and hilarious
2: yeah
1: but it was sinking in and I was sort of like okay this is my future if I stay in this this these are the people who are doing what I'm doing and I guess they're making it they've made it and I don't really want these lives so that also was kind of spinning in Mm -hmm. my mind like I don't want this for my future and I went and got a facial one day when uh, my health was like at kind of an all-time low at this point I was pretty sick and I went to Kropalo to have this Ayurvedic facial that was supposed to be very balancing and healing I felt so amazing walking out of that treatment I felt so restored and that was the first time I thought I think I'd like to do this like this is a really neat job and so then you know it it just sat the wheels started turning and after that last Rent Japan tour I knew that I wanted to try out skincare, but I thought it was going to be something I did along with my makeup. I still thought makeup was the priority and that skincare would be something really cool to do as well.
0: Right, right. Which clearly is not the case because you have such a successful, booming business. Well, in quarantine, (laughs) there's not much we can do, but I know everyone (laughs) is like, everyone is waiting patiently.
1: I know you. Including me. That's why I kept fidgeting when we were talking earlier. And you're like, why are you moving so much? And I'm like, I can't sit still anymore. I've been sitting still for like eight weeks. I need to move.
0: I know. I feel the same way. You were like, oh. "You were like your, your audio is going in and out. And I'm like, it's because I'm bouncing.
1: Yeah. <laughs> to move around.
0: I know. I've oh. been taking such long walks. But so yeah. you went to school and mm-hmm. did you... You're in New York. Yeah. Did you start out working for someone else and then transition to Carson Skin or like, did you always want to do Carson Skin?
1: No, it's so crazy. It's, I never wanted to be a business owner because I also remember, I thought, I think a lot's changed for entrepreneurs nowadays, but when I was younger, I mean, unless you had a business degree, you didn't start a business. That wasn't a thing. Right. Like a, a a girl like myself wouldn't start a business like I'd need to have a business plan how do you even write that it just felt so huge so um my dream was just really to work at a spa because that just seemed like a really big deal in Manhattan which seemed like such a big deal (laughs) um and I remember again talking about lives I wanted I was in Soho, which was, like, this expensive neighborhood at the time for me. I'm from Sheffield, Massachusetts, I remember. Like, yeah. Manhattan's a big place for me. And there was this girl, and she was wearing designer sunglasses, and she was wearing this long maxi dress, and she was sitting outside of this beautiful cafe in Soho with a glass of wine in front of her. I was like, I want that. I want to be her. She was so pretty. I was like, I want that. That's, that's the future I want. Like, it just, it was so different from Sheffield life. Right. She just, like anyone I knew in Sheffield, I was like, that's, that's, that's aspirational to me. So you, so
0: you, you were no longer wanting the wigs and makeup. (laughs) You went a little
1: more tame. I did. I think once you start working with wigs, you stop wearing them. They're a pain in the ass. They're just, it was like, I was done. I was like, I was good on the wig front. Yeah. I was wearing my own hair at that point. (laughs) And, um, yeah, but so I, um, and then, but then again, just like my makeup career, skincare, like, I feel like makeup sort of adopted me. Uh I needed somewhere to go. I was pretty lost at the time. I didn't have the direction I see some of my clients' kids have and all that support. I was sort of just like a wandering space and makeup and that whole theatrical world plucked me up. Right. And I was supposed to be there and... Everyone, I mean, I have so many friends even today that I met even like back when I was like 20 and we're still just as close Yeah. Uh, and it all started then. So that was like a very important chapter in my life and skincare, same thing. I was in school. This is a crazy story, actually. This, I was in school full time. Mm -hmm. I was living on Staten Island with my friend (laughs) who I went out on rent with. He had a house on Staten Island. I didn't know Staten Island was, like, good or bad. Remember, I'm coming from Massachusetts. Now I know Staten Island is, like, not really a place people enjoy going or wanting to live. Like, a lot of people here in Manhattan. But to me, it was still Manhattan. So I was living there for $300 a month rent, which allowed me to, with like, a beautiful house, beautiful room. It was great. Um, Full room to myself. Um, But I was going to school full-time, but I did need some extra money. The only problem was I only had every other Saturday available because oh, nice. I think it, the way my program at Atelier Esthetique, where I went to school here in the city, worked is I think I had to be in clinic or something on Saturdays, certain Saturdays of the month. So I couldn't work somewhere every Saturday.
2: Yeah.
1: And I don't know what I had going on on Sundays. Maybe I just needed a study day. But this is, yeah. I was like, who's going to hire me for every other Saturday? <laughs> I do? And so what I did was I opened up the yellow pages. I just love how dated these I know. are. And I called like every spa that looked interesting to me. And I just called the front desk and was like, hi, I'm an aesthetic student. I was looking for a front desk job. You know, of course. Okay, thank you. You know, they hang up on me. Yeah. And this one spa, it was called Glow Skin Spa, 60th between Park and Madison. The woman who took my call, I now know it was not the manager. I think she was actually just a staff member. Yeah. So she takes my number down and says, thanks, I'll pass it on. A few weeks later, I get a call from the manager, Susan. She's like, hi, did you call and apply for a job, you know, over the phone for the front desk? And I was like, I did. Thanks for calling me back. She's like, yeah, it was actually stuck on a post-it.
0: Oh on gosh. a file,
1: just fact. Oh my gosh! Why would she call it back again? It was all working the way it was supposed to work. Yeah. Um, and so the only the, there's only one, one catch. We really only need someone two Saturdays a month. And I was like, "That's all I can give you." And she's like, come up, <laughs> needing." <in the> <laughs> so I was like, I, I go down there. I, I interview. They hire me. And uh, there was another girl who was – I'm still in aesthetic school at this point. Yeah. There was another girl who was supposed to start working there. Okay. Who ailed at the last minute. And so my boss walked up to me. At this point, I'd been working for them for a month or so and said, you just got lucky. I'm going to train you as an esthetician. And this was not an entry-level job. This was a good job. Like this was – a lot of girls go from aesthetic school into – med spas or places that are more like factories so that you can really kind of get your hands working get some experience you do that for a few years and then you can move to these more elite studios
2: okay
1: I went the job immediately I I just phased right in she trained me I was doing incredible facials that were way beyond my my level
2: yeah um
1: it was I like within one year of working there I probably had like five years of experience
0: Wow, that's awesome. And so
1: it just propelled me forward. And I did operas that first year. And I would leave for two weeks at a time. And my boss sat me down and she was like, choose. You're either going to do that or you're going to do this. But you cannot be taking six weeks off, a year off. Like, that's not fair to the other estheticians. It's just not a thing.
2: Yeah,
1: It's not a thing here. And I was like, oh, man, like, what do I choose? Like, I don't want to give up makeup. It's so much more fun because that's the thing is like, even though skincare, even though skincare was like, it was a, it was a job that was definitely filling my soul in a lot of ways. It wasn't particularly fun. Right. Okay. Fun. Like I was constantly getting called out because I laughed too loud. And Amy (laughs) like, you can't laugh that loudly in the spa room because we hear it out here. And I was like, Oh God, sorry. I did it again. And because I'd have my clients and I was you know yeah. just like all of a sudden just something would happen that's not a thing in the spa culture and so I was like ah I've got to give up my theater world that's where I get to really go and play
2: yeah but I gave up.
1: I gave it up I chose skin because it was also you know working as a freelancer a free, um your job to job you don't know when your next job is coming right. and so working as an esthetician building a client working at this fantastic place that was much more consistent
0: yeah and yeah.
1: The money was uh, good,
0: yeah, so I no, chose that. Yeah. That's great because so many of us artists have to take other jobs that are not fulfilling. I mean, I waited a million tables. I tempted mm-hmm. a lot of offices, you know, and I mean, I keep telling my daughter, you know, I know you want to dance, but find something else that you enjoy that you can do when you're not dancing. So, yeah. getting to work in this salon or spa was a much better alternative than having the wait tables.
1: Oh God, it was a great job.
0: Yeah, it was
1: a great job. I loved it, and I loved the people I was working on, and um, starting to build relationships with them, seeing them come back, and getting to use what I learned in school and everything I was learning at Glow. It was, it was. Mentally stimulating. It was. Um, I loved the power of touch. Okay. I didn't even know I would like that. I that was actually in school. I like aced my tests. When it came to the um, the theory, I was there. And then it came time to practice touching people, and I was like, my hands were like shaking. And I had touched people as a makeup artist. This is yeah, a different thing. I was about to like massage someone's face. I was like, oh, this is not going to be right for me. I I can't do this. And that ended up, at the end of the day, being what I ended up being best at. Oh. Was the touch.
0: Okay. It was
1: like all the resistance in my body that ended up being. Like once I cracked through that and got my practice, it's, it's still to this day what I enjoy the most.
0: Yeah.
1: Is that contact with someone else's body.
0: Interesting. Yeah, and mm-hmm. then it's got to be awful now. With us being in this quarantine, because you you can't touch anyone. Yeah. <laughs> Does your husband get his face touched a lot now?
1: He doesn't. No? He doesn't. I,
0: I mean, saw he's... some
1: pictures of him wearing your mask the other day. Yes, my LED mask. He, he loves it. <laughs> he, loves, he asked to use it the other day. He's like, you didn't put that on me yesterday. I was like, well, now you know how to use it, so you can just put it on yourself. (laughs) I don't have to do it for you. Yeah, but he, um, it's fun because his sister was my original client. That's actually how I met him. And that's, they have, like, identical skin, practically. So it's, like, kind of funny, like, when I do treat his skin. Because something you learn when you're doing this is how similar certain family you know, like the mother's skin, the sister's skin, they can be almost identical sometimes. They can also be completely different, but yeah. when they're simpler, it's really fun. Nice. Because you notice that.
0: Yeah, yeah. So how long did you work for someone else before you started Carson Skin?
1: So I worked for Glow just about two years. Okay. Two years, probably okay. about two years. And then I got a really cool opportunity, and this was an amazing learning lesson, that seemed like the cat's meow, where a salon was opening in Chelsea. They were opening, it's a hair salon, and they were opening two skincare rooms. So I got the tip off from someone else I worked with at Glow, who knew this business owner, and said, I know you've been kind of thinking about moving on, you should interview with this woman. She's opening up, you know, skincare. You'd be able to be there from the beginning onward. Yeah. That really excited me, okay. and so I um, I interviewed with her. She owns Once Upon a Bride. The salon is now called Loft Twenty Six. Okay. And I I got to be a part of opening up a skincare room.
0: Okay.
1: I mean, I was at Bed Bath and Beyond buying the sheets. I painted the walls to get us ready for opening. Like Mm -hmm. I was really involved because I really needed to get back to work. Cause at that point, I think I'd had like four weeks off and I had to work, but I also got to be a part of the ordering and product selection. So without me knowing it, it was starting to train me to open a business.
2: Yeah.
1: So again, it was just like an experience that I thought this was going to be where I made it, where this was going to be my dream job. What I learned in that situation was, People who get their hair done, hair cut, hair colored, don't necessarily get facials. Everyone who gets a facial gets their hair cut or colored. Right. So the reciprocity wasn't there. So I wasn't getting referrals like I thought I would. And I didn't have enough clientele myself to sustain me. And so that's when I started. um, I went. I should also backtrack. That first year, I was working at Glow Skin Spa. I had a part-time job with a doctor who was doing laser treatments, and my job was to like cover their eyebrows for the IPLs and put their sunscreen on after he had done his laser procedures. So I had a little bit of laser knowledge in my mind from that. So at this point, the med spa boom hit, and all these med spas had opened. Um, laser hair removal, sunspot reduction, like all this stuff. And so I'm there at this, at my spa job, my brand new spa job at the salon and not busy enough. So I got a part-time job at a med spa and started doing just laser treatments, laser hair removal, Fraxel, skin tightening, um, deep chemical peels. Um, so I had my hands in that world and then went full-time into that for the next You know, I left the salon because I was just so busy at the med spot. It was great. I was making more money, so I followed the money. Did that for another two years.
2: Okay.
1: Ended up getting promoted to be manager, so I got some managerial experience. Again, very difficult, but also trained me for opening my business without me knowing. Mm -hmm. And then I just, and then Groupon came on the scene. And anyone who remembers Groupon when it first came around all of a sudden like laser treatments were twenty five dollars. Yes. Laser treatments were fifty dollars. Ones that were like five hundred dollars.
2: Yeah.
1: Before that. So my boss got really involved in Groupon and the quality of the treatments for me went down.
2: Okay.
1: The amount of people I was having to see in a day went down. I was the clinical director at that point, so I was the manager. My job was to to handle the adverse reactions. There were a lot more of those because people were rushing through their work yeah. to accommodate all these clients who were paying $50. Yes. And so it was, it really burned me out. And I kind of lost faith in, in the spa world. I was like, yeah, I don't like it anymore. I did it. I'm going to move on. And so I got a job with Revive, which is this luxury skincare brand. I interviewed with them they were looking for an elite esthetician for the East Coast. Okay. So the job of that person would be to go to Saks and Barney's and um, Neiman's and all these these different high-end department stores and execute facial events. So okay. kind of like you'd have at the Chanel counter, they'd say, Gustavo just made that name up.
2: Right. Gustavo's
1: coming on Saturday. <laughs> He's going to do your makeup. Sign up now, and, and you'll come, and... You know, with a purchase of $400, you get Gustavo to do your makeup. Yeah. I was Gustavo. So I, I they would say, Jamie Carson's coming. Right. She's going to be doing facials. She's our elite esthetician for the East Coast. With a, a purchase of four or $500, you get facial. Yeah. And so I did that. And I did that for almost a year. Hated it. I, I am not cut out for corporate life. I learned that. That was the very first time I had, like, the corporate Amex. I had like six bosses. I couldn't figure out who my boss was because <laughs> anyone who works for a corporation like that, you're just like, okay, you're, you've got like your direct report and then you've got someone else and you've got someone who says they're your boss. But then this person's giving you orders and, you're like, and your boss is like, no, you don't have to listen to that person. Right. He's not your boss. And I'm like, but, but you're in South Carolina and like he's here in New York and he's kind of bullying me. I think I have to listen to him. I was so confused. Yeah. I was so confused, And I was like, I hate, I hate everything about this. And so at that time, I decided to pay off my student loan debt. I got really serious about being debt free. And I was working with someone to help me do that uh-huh. and paying her monthly. And she was like, is there anything you can do to make extra money? Because I, as a corporate employee, I had a salary. I was capped. Yeah. And so I was like, no, nothing. And she's like, what about facials? Can you do facials? I was like, oh, no, that's impossible. She's like, well, can you, like, rent a room out for, like, a few days a month and do facials? No. My God, no. That's impossible. She's like, your homework this week is to go on Craigslist and see if anybody rents rooms by the day. And and I was like, okay. So I found one. Okay. And I forget. Maybe it was 100 bucks a day or something in Soho. This woman had a healing arts studio. I was like, I found one. And she's like, your next homework piece is I want you to pick a product line. And whatever it is you need to be able to do facials and come back with those numbers, what it would cost to invest in that. And I was like, well, it makes no sense to spend money when I'm trying to pay off my debt. And she was like, but this is going to help you make more money. Right. So you have to invest so that you can make more money, yeah. which I now know. But as a, a new person, and again, like business was not my thing. I was like, that makes no sense. Right. To take on more credit card debt. I'm trying to pay that off. <laughs> And so I, um, I bought a massage table off of Craigslist for I think twenty five dollars. Okay. I, I got in touch with Environ, which is still my favorite skincare line. Mm -hmm. I worked with them a little bit at Glow Skin Spa. Um, That wasn't our primary line, but it's mine. Um, And I, kind of got my numbers together, and then I ended up investing in like a small amount of professional, like. um, Back bar, we call it. I wasn't selling products to clients. I was only doing the treatments. Okay. I got the massage table. I bought some sheets. And I rented that room. I got some insurance, some malpractice insurance. And I was like under the radar doing facials. I mean, I was licensed um, every other weekend, like every other Sunday. And I just contacted people I had known from the past who were still – asking me if I was doing facials anywhere, and they all came in. And then a friend uh, who was no longer doing facials in New York put an email out to her clients uh, here in New York. Okay. And it was like, my friend's doing facials here now, trier. So they came in. And then I got busy. And so then I started working every weekend. So I was working Saturdays and Sundays and doing my revived travel job during oh. the week. So I was exhausted. Yeah, I bet I was like, I don't know if anyone knows the Ren and Stimpy cartoon, but I looked like, like the bloodshot eye. <laughs> like a, like, yes. coffee, like, <laughs> so cracked out. Acne, and acne, putting on all this makeup I was buying at the fancy department stores to cover all my acne. Oh, my gosh. I was so stressed. And so, but then I started having dreams. Um, and in my dreams, it was just, I was, this voice was just telling me, quit your job, do the facials. And I would argue with it in the morning. I'm like, "Ah, I keep having this horrible dream. And it's it's such a dumb voice. It doesn't know what it's talking about. How could I ever do this full time? I don't know what I'm doing. And it just kept nagging me. And I was miserable enough in my full time job to finally just have a, a moment where I just prayed. And I said, if I'm supposed to do this, please let it flow. If I'm not, show me what else I'm supposed to do. Yeah, I ended up resigning from my job. And one of the best things, one of my bosses again, this was not even my direct boss, one right. of my million bosses yeah. said to me, you're going to want to keep a good relationship with Sas Because I had just had an argument with the the counter manager at Saps. And I was like, why? And he was like, because when your facial thing doesn't work out, you're going to need to go back and freelance there. And I was like, Excuse me. It's <laughs> like, yeah, you're gonna need to repair that because you're gonna need that relationship in the future. And in that moment, it was like a challenge accepted moment. Yeah. Where I was like, I'm never going back to Sax. Right. Ever again. Yeah. And
0: I think, I think all of us as artists, especially, have one of those moments where it's like, I mean, I was, I got pulled into a room when I was in college and the teacher pulled me and another girl in the room and he goes, I just don't want you to end up at a Macy's perfume counter. You just have no talent. Mm. And he told the other girl that too. She is now like has had her own dance company for, and choreography for like, I don't know, however long it's been, 20, 30 years now. Awesome. Yeah, like almost, almost 30 years. So, you know, it is challenge accepted in, did you ever go back to sex?
1: <laughs> no. Have you ever even walked in there? <laughs> yes. I bought myself a $5,000 purse when I was five years in business. Okay. I was like, I'm going to buy myself. If I make it five years, I'm going to buy myself a designer bag. So I reached <laughs> five years in business. And I'm like, here I go. I'm going to go buy my designer bag. I have to tell you. I own it. I never use it. And like, now I'm kind of like, I feel like the longer I live in New York, these like milestones that have anything to do with like a material acquisition.
2: Yeah.
1: It's like, I'm like, what? Like, that's like a trip. That's a vacation. But it's, especially for someone, you know, starting your own business and stuff. I think it's so important to reward yourself with stuff that you feel is luxury in that Mm -hmm. moment. Because I mean, you work so hard and it's like, just, whatever feels like luxury and it's going to change. But like, for me, it was all about stuff I could never afford before. Yeah. So that was very motivating for me. Um, Interesting. so I walked in there and I bought that bag and I felt like a million dollars and I was carrying my bag and still have the bag. It's <laughs> I never carry it. I must prefer my $200 bag, frankly, but it's uh, you know, I've got it. Got it. You've got it. It's there. Reminds you. That I never wear. I prefer my clogs, but (laughs) I've got them. (laughs) I remember you coming
0: in with your, with your lubies one day and I was like, ooh, fancy.
1: You're like, I never
0: wear these things. I'm doing a business meeting. I'll do it. I'll wear it.
1: (laughs) I don't even wear them to business meetings now. I like hobble around trying to wear heels. I love that now this whole, you know, I feel like this, um, Jenny Kane and brands like that who have made like casual dressing chic. It's it's definitely my time. It's my time. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have to do that anymore. Yeah. That's great. Now, how do you,
0: how do you think, um, it, I mean, all the things that you did with your esthetician, you know, going to school and getting to work with all those people, what do you think the, the, being a makeup artist, those skills or just kind of that journey helped you get to Carson's skin?
1: I think there's an outgoing part of my personality I didn't know I even had that was so normal in the theater world okay. that was not serving me, working for someone else in a spa environment. That has served me greatly as an entrepreneur. Yeah. Because I do feel like I hold a space that's very unique to me. And when you run a business, you're a certain flavor. And people will either like it or they won't. Doesn't mean you have to change your flavor and try to be a flavor everyone's gonna like. So no one not everyone's gonna like it. Right. So you just choose your flavor, and if it's the authentic you, even better. Yeah. Um and I think that me being my fully fully, expressed self has attracted the perfect clients to me. Yeah. Like the clients who come through my door, who are drawn to me, I'm like, did they come out of central casting? Like this is a perfect client for me.
0: Perfect. Yeah. And I think you know, that's,
1: and, that's yeah.
0: so important because so many of us that have our own business or in business... We forget that we really just need to be our own flavor. Yeah. Because yeah. you know, there are people out there for us. Yes. You know.
1: And, and who you will like working on.
0: Yes. Cause I mean we've all gotten up and you know, had to work with someone we don't love and you're like, oh do I have to you know draining it's like bang my head. <laughs> 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 yeah, it's draining. It's super draining. But when you get to that point, um, and how, I mean, it's, it's such a journey and I'm sure, you know, you talked a little bit about you, you know, like, who am I? I didn't take business. Who am I to like do my own thing? But I think it's Mm -hmm. important for all of us to realize that like, you don't necessarily have to have that degree in business that you learn a lot on the job and different jobs that you do. So don't stop yourself from being or taking something on that interests you, you know?
1: Yeah, and, and pay attention. I mean, I've made a lot of mistakes that I won't make again. Yeah. Sometimes I learn unfortunately, through making a mistake. A warning doesn't do it for me. (laughs) Um, And sometimes things really sting, and you're like, you know what, that was a bet. I, I entered into a space early on after renting that place in SoHo without a contract. I ran all my credit card transactions through a doctor's credit card machine. Not realizing that means she holds all the money I earn. Um, And I had seven-day access to the office. And then one day I came into work and this person changed the rules and I was allowed to come in one day. I was probably three months into running my own business Mm full-time. I had no money in my checking account. I was counting on every facial I did to pay my rent. I had to leave that office that very day because I realized that wasn't going to work for me. Yeah. And I was given no alternative. This was a very extreme example.
2: Yeah, And again,
1: something that has not served me in life (laughs) is being attracted to dramatic people off the stage. So if someone was dramatic, I was like, they're so fabulous. I caution you, if someone's really dramatic and they're not on stage, you might not want to do business with them.
0: Right.
1: (laughs) Because that's something else is like, I may have a dramatic flair, but I've got a very level mind. Right. And I I um I think that's a real that is a difference I I have from just artists in general who are just blowing up with passion all the time but making really poor decisions. Um out of passion every moment. Yeah, yeah. That can be really chaotic. But so I was very attracted to someone because of their dramatic flair and it bit me. And Then people ask me, well, what is your contract? What is your lease set? I actually don't have one. (laughs) What? Well, it's it's okay. Like, just, um, you know, you have the money you made last week and the week before. So take that. Well, actually, I don't because she cuts me a check every two weeks. um, So she has the money. What? You know, and and I was like. I know, this all sounds really dumb now. It's just, it was a handshake agreement. It, it seemed great at the time because right. no, no bells were going off. Everything seemed really great and simpatico. So I moved all my equipment out that day um, with the help of a roommate. I, this is actually a really good business story, actually. I, um, I cried in the broad sunlight. It was summertime um, down Madison Avenue. Yeah. Boom. balling. Ah, Like, just like, I lost it and I I had no car to hide away in. We're in New York City we're pedestrians all
0: the time. You see them, you see people you pass on the street all the time crying. You're like, oh no, what's going on? We (laughs) have no
1: privacy. We have no cars to duck into when something really hits the fan.
0: Yeah.
1: I had to just have my total meltdown, world is over and then something inside me picked me up and I had this angel of a roommate who said, you know, she had pretty bare bones room not very much stuff in it she said I can move my stuff into your bedroom and and I lived in a very nice building um, on 68th and Riverside Boulevard so Mm -hmm. the address is pretty good um tiny place but I was like not an ugly address for clients to have to come to and she said why don't you call your facials that you have booked this weekend and see if they'll come to the house and I'll just stay out of the apartment while you're doing facials we moved all of her stuff into my room, including her bed. We broke down her bed. I popped up my, my um, facial table, my uh, massage table. I had my steamer in there. I had my equipment. We cleaned out. It just so happened the way my apartment was designed was that there was a front door and then a hallway that led straight into this room with a bathroom on the side. Okay. So nobody would need to see anything else in the apartment. So we just put a curtain up. And put flowers on a little table out, cleaned out the bathroom, emptied it out with like a flower in a, a vase. And I was fortunate enough that every client coming in or booked that weekend was um, young. They were like in their 30s, late 20s. Mm-hmm. So they were pretty flexible people, actually. Yeah. It was yeah. perfect group of women to have booked on this particular weekend. And I said, you know, there's been a change. I'm actually going to be working from my home this weekend. I invite you to come in. I understand if you don't want to. Everyone said yes. I don't know that that would happen today. Would yeah. I got very lucky that weekend. And every single person on the schedule was like, sure. They came in. They had their facial. It, it looked like a very clean, beautiful room.
2: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: wooden floors, big windows in that room, that bedroom. It was nice. Yeah. And had a makeshift treatment room. I made some cash that I was able to then use. I put my my phone calls out to my network, who at that point, it was product salespeople. And I just said, SOS, I don't have an office anymore. I really need an office to rent. I'd prefer to stay on the Upper East Side. One came through. And she was like, actually, I was just having this conversation last week with this woman who has a room to rent. Uh, It was on 73rd Street. And, um, between parking lots and she ended up, it ended up working out and I rented that room for the next year and a half. And that was also, it's like just being nice to people.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel like pretty much, you know, it is, it's being nice to people, your connections and being really open to everything and resourceful and, you
1: know Oh yeah! You have to be scrappy.
0: Yes, super you have to be scrappy. scrappy. But you know what? As I think because that happened now, I bet you your clients. I think because your clients love you at this point, that they would totally be like, "All right, let's go." Maybe at this
1: point, but that was—we were still pretty new. We were dating still, so it was like we weren't in a relationship right, yet. Right. Right. <laughs> And they were so nice, but it also just gave me so much faith to go forward. It was like because those women did that and they yeah. were so cool about it, yeah. They made it up, they were like, It's no big deal, sure. And it just gave me more stamina, mm-hmm. you know, it gave me more fuel to like, Okay, I am supposed to be doing this, yeah, even though I could have quit in that moment and been like, This is the big sign, my office fell through, right? And this is the sign, I'm not supposed to be doing this, like. You're given these tests. And maybe some of them are signs you're not supposed to be doing this. But if you just wait a few minutes past that and observe what's going to happen on the other side of that wake, that's where that's where it is. It's not in the big boom.
2: Yeah. It's right
1: after. It'll either, things will come through like little miracles mm-hmm. or they won't. And it'll feel really right to quit. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think, I think that when, when, especially when artists are transitioning into something else, I mean, I know it was a good four or five years of me knowing that I was going to, maybe not five, but like, you know, three years of definitely like, all right, I I don't, I don't think I want to dance anymore. What's next? And kind of trying to figure that out and what all those emotions and all the things that you're going through and then you know i i was like well maybe I'll, I'll i'll go back to school maybe i'll study theater i want to i want to do film and tv and mm-hmm. you know or i want to do i want to be a lawyer or i want to be a physical therapist and there's all these things you want to do and then one day it was like well what about photography i was like i never never thought about that but but i kind of mm-hmm. like photos and it just That's- you know you start teaching yourself is what I did. And then, you know, it just kind of snowballs. And that kind Mm -hmm. of thing, it was like, I just started getting more and more phone calls. And, you know, there were setbacks, but there were also a lot of good things. Yeah. You know, so I think watching those signs and kind of realizing...
1: And checking in with yourself.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, that's something, I think that that... At this point, like, nine years into running my practice here, my own North Star that, like, sits in my chest, that I touch base with, that's my guiding light right now. And that's been for the last while. And that has gotten so much stronger through um, through running a business. yeah. Like, just learning how to trust myself.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And it can be very inconvenient sometimes to trust yourself. It can feel very inconvenient. Because you be like, no, this... This will work. I know that person doesn't, is kind of making my spidey sense light up, but it's fine. Like, it's, it's like you learn to just say, no, I'm feeling this.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So
1: I'm going to watch out for it. I'm going to, you know, I'm yeah. going to investigate this.
0: Yeah. You know.
1: I also say sometimes, I say New York chooses you. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why some of us make it here and some of us don't. There's a lot of very smart, very capable people with business degrees that get booted out of New York within the first few years of running a business. Um, Then there are some of us where it just feels like every three blocks we turn and there's like a personal message for us like, oh, I want to introduce the universe. I want to introduce you to this person because they're going to help you on this next leg of your Journey you're supposed to be on here in Manhattan and it's like I just think I was chosen by New York yeah. because I, I felt it right when I came here to go to school. I was actually weighing going to Hawaii to Maui to go to aesthetic school or New York City and the school in Maui matches who I am today so much more. They're on the beach, laissez-faire, um, beautiful women, they're in school a few hours of the day. And then the rest of the time they're like eating tropical fruits and hanging out <laughs> and bonding. And I chose the school where everyone had to wear hospital scrubs and I had to start wearing glasses. Cause I realized I had an eyesight problem with the board. It it's like, it was just so different. It was so structured and so scientific. And I had never done as well in science classes as I did in aesthetic school. Cause I just had this fascination with yeah. everything I was learning. And I had these amazing teachers who sadly are no longer there, maybe happy for their life, maybe they're doing fabulous things. But for the students, I mean, I was there when three of the best teachers who have ever taught there were there.
2: Yeah, And
1: I got all of them. I got to learn from all three. So it was like, my nose is to the grind. It was not a pretty experience. It was not a relaxing experience. But it set me up with this core foundation of, knowledge and understanding that I was then able to bounce off of and still do. Yeah. Uh, and it just New York. And it's like, I, I came to New York and I felt a swelling. I felt like New York was like a heartbeat and I could feel it. And my own body wanted to expand with it. It was like, New York was like, you could be this big. And I was like, oh, but I'm just this big right now. And something was like, yeah, but you can be this big here. Yeah. And it was like, it, I was like, okay, I'm in. And I just grew grew, 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 And it just, I grew Yeah. who I am today compared to who I was when I got off that U-Haul truck, you know, <laughs> that I drove here myself.
0: Yeah. But see, you were always fabulous because you of were, course. you know, wearing, know. you were always big where you were, you
1: were this, but I didn't know. Right. Do you know what I mean? I, I yeah. couldn't feel it. It was, I was, I was always like being told I was too much and suddenly I landed in this city that was like you're not too much you're just right come on in. That <laughs> <I> was like <laughs> okay don't mind if I do. <laughs> and
0: I think for all of us I mean as artists as creatives we we do feel like we have to do this. It's like this thing chose us. I mean I yeah. used to talk to my parents I remember they had said okay we're going to we're going to support you for a school year for mm-hmm. dance in New York. But after that, that's it. You're on your own. And I remember when that time came, you know, they were like, I think you should come back. You know, you, this and that. And I said, Nope, not going to do it. I'm not coming back. This is what I, I, this is what I have to do. And, you know, I have a friend that was saying, you know, why did I choose to be a photographer? Why couldn't I have chosen to become a doctor or something that makes lots of money? But it's like uh-huh. super easy to make lots of money. And, and I said, I don't, you know, I think about all the choices that I made over the, the last 30 years. And I don't, you know, maybe if I had gone this way, this would have happened. I still would have been a dancer. There was, mm-hmm. There's no question that mm-hmm. I would have ever chosen something else. And I think the same with photography, like Mm. that's just what it is. I mean, there's days, you know, I've gone through like trying to figure out, like, do I still want to do this, especially because it is something that's, that can be hard on your body, you know, Mm -hmm. and the same with dance. I mean, that's part of why dancers quit because it's too hard on their body, you know, And, and you know, you're kind of faced with that as you get older. So it's yep. like what's what's next, but I think as artists and as creatives, we get we're open to finding what's next, finding out what's mm. possible. You know, looking at and taking all those skills that we have, because I mean, you've got a lot of skills that mm-hmm. you didn't even realize you had, <laughs> and you've built this amazing business that's super successful. At least it looks successful.
1: <laughs> you know how I know I'm successful is because I'm going to be reopening. Yeah. And that, for me, it's like in New York, it's never enough. You never make enough money. Yeah. You set you set a goal. You reach it. What's the next goal? You know, I've had people asking me the last few years, so what's next for the Carson Skin Empire? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I don't really see it as an empire. And now... I'm like, I'm glad I didn't see it as an empire because I've stayed true to the kind of skincare I like to do, the, kind of, the kinds of people I like to work with, which is not everybody. You know, and I have a lot of people who are like, yeah, but do you have anything for me? I can't afford this or I can't afford that. And, I, and that's something else that I really encourage people as they start to understand who they like to work with. You don't have to sell to everybody. It's, it's okay to be like, you know what? I might be too expensive for you. Or because I'm actually even less expensive than some people. Right. But there's always going to be someone who sadly for them, they think sadly for them, can't afford your services. And so it's really easy to be like, oh, maybe I should have more like services at another price point. Maybe I should do more of this. Maybe I should try to appeal to everybody. I just stopped doing that years and years ago. And I just decided this is what I like to do. And it's something I personally would like to buy. Let's see if anyone else likes it too. And it turns out a lot of people liked it, can afford it. And I've been able to build a really nice business around these people. And so, and because I didn't, I I didn't reach for things that I really didn't want, but that I felt like would make me look successful.
2: Yeah. I didn't
1: take on a rent that was so much more than I could afford. I, I don't my expenses, my business expenses, I'm aware of them. Mm -hmm. I don't try to have the latest and greatest. I do research on machines and things I really like. I save up. I buy them. I have no credit card debt, I'm happy to say. Um, I work really hard. I buy them. And then I have it. But I'm very choosy because I also know if I buy this machine and I don't like it next year, too late, too bad. So it's like I'm very choosy. And that's also part of my, like, not falling into the latest and greatest trap, because I just, I really believe in using resources well, because it's like, if you use them and respect yourself and everyone while you're using them and work with companies that are high integrity companies yeah, only, you're going to have more resources available to you. Right. Do you know what I mean? You're going to be buying less. Maybe things are more expensive, up, you know, up front, but... You won't have to buy it again for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm reopening. I'm not going out of business. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's a real marker of success, not what was in my bank account last year.
2: Yeah.
1: Or how I look on social media. Mm -hmm. I'm reopening. A lot of places are not going to reopen. And that doesn't mean that they failed either. I think something also to really be aware of is there's a lot of people right now who are in businesses they don't want to be in, and this is their out.
2: Yeah.
1: A lot of people own restaurants or own different kinds of businesses that they sort of got involved in and they're in too deep and they're like, oh, it's too late to quit, but I hate my life. Right. This is actually for some people going to be a very positive thing because it's going to be the out yeah. and it's going to be one that if you say, yeah, I went out of business because of Corona, people are going to be like, oh my God, that's horrible. And I'm like, I know, but really they actually wanted to yeah. because there's something else they want to do. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. So not
1: every story is going to be a tragedy. Right.
0: That's great
1: mm-hmm
0: wow so what is some so i do have to ask what is one thing that we don't know about you that you can that, you, <laughs> that you're willing to uh, share
1: there's so many um all right i'm gonna share a really stupid one okay sometimes if i feel really blue i play that song mbop by hansen and that's like a, like a power up song for me. And like if I like like especially like certain quarantine days, I have to go to the post office, and I'm like, I can't do it. I'm like, I can do it. And I turn it on, and then I'm like, I'm like, like I walk down the street, and I look, you know, like I'm just walking, but um is like blasting in my ears. And I, I, uh, my husband hates it, and so he doesn't really like it when I play it. So I play it upstairs in the bathroom now so that he doesn't have to hear it you have to put it on your headphones yeah and it's just it's like my song that is so dumb but my brother loves it too and so sometimes we'll just like sing it to each other because it's so ridiculous it's such a ridiculous song but it just makes me so happy so I just (laughs) play it and it kind of like that's my mood lifter
0: that's great that's awesome
1: I love it Now I'm going to have to
0: put it on But <laughs> we're done. will always
1: think of you when you hear that song. I will. Song. I will always think of you. It's like Michael will be like, oh, I heard him bop today. Like now he's like aware. <laughs> like before he just like would ignore it. He's like, "Oh, I heard him bop. And I'm like, yeah.
0: <laughs> and see, it should be like wonderful because it reminds me of his wife. <laughs> yeah.
1: It should be. It should be. <laughs> Once for a friend, he videotaped me dancing to it. Uh-huh. I was like, please just do this and so he did it and he's like i'm never doing that again don't ever ever ask me to do that again because he's just holding the camera with like a frown and mbop is blasting in the background and i'm just dancing i sent it to because one of my friends was having a day i was like this will lift her up and he's like i'm never don't ever ask me to do that again but i will ask again you will One of these times, I'm going to get him when he's (laughs) down. It's like when grandma
0: was like, "Um, why don't you stay in the car? And you're like, oh, no, I'm coming out with this big, fabulous wig just to bother you.
1: (laughs) Oh, my grandma. My grandma and I are very, very close. And, um, yeah, we have a lot of moments like that. (laughs) A lot of moments. (laughs) Where, yeah, all of my... Probably most of my craziest memories are with my grandmother. That's great. She's witnessed all of it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. That's great. Well, thank you so much for chatting with me and, like, talking about your yeah. transition and how you have created Carson Skin and just everything. I appreciate it. And it's so lovely to see your face. And hopefully I get to see yeah. your face soon.
1: <laughs> Same here. So. Hopefully sooner than later.
0: Yes. Yes. All right. Have a great rest of your day and I'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Jamie.
1: You're welcome. Thank you.
0: Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Act Two Interviews. I will provide links and a transcript of today's interview in the show notes. Next week on Act Two Interviews, I will be interviewing Jimmy Chircosta, a rock musician turned realtor. His biggest takeaway is that resilience created by artists helps you in every aspect of your business. Thank you for listening to Act Two Interviews. I'm your host, Sophia Negron. Please make sure you subscribe, leave a review, and share with all your friends. Have a great day.